Welcome to Caribbean Thought at the Jamaica Theological Seminary. This is um, what this is lecture four, I believe. Lecture four, um, and we're beginning the lecture with my amazing students at JPS, uh, one of the oldest um, seminaries in Jamaica and the Caribbean, um, if not the oldest evangelical theological seminary. And we are moving toward university status, but there's a lot to fix. And, um, but anyways, I was telling you that um, what, you know, when you meet somebody, you say one, a good, a, one of the greatest achievements you can have when you are living here, when you are here in the U.S. from the global south is you have a sense of achievement in a sense. Excuse me. Because first of all, to come here is not easy. To come to the U.S. is not easy, especially if you don't have parents who were born here or you don't have a, a direct connection to... You have to find creative ways to come here. They make it very easy, especially for poorer countries, to come to the U.S. And um, especially I was involved in a study at Shulman Ronkers and Bill Calvillas, Inc. in 2009. I was conducting research as a research interviewer in 2009 for this company and it was part of Pew Research and they were studying the idea that by 2025 or between 2020 and 2025 the US the majority will be part of the minority and the minority will be part of the majority but now in 2023 2024 I saw a report where they are predicting that the majority of the, this is not going to happen until 20, it hasn't happened yet. Um, the white Anglo-Saxon is still part of the majority of the US in terms of demographically. But, and they are now predicting that it's going to happen by 2043. But in 2009, they were predicting, and we, I was involved in a study that suggested by 2023, the demographics of the U.S. is going to change so that the minority will be part of the majority and the majority will be part of the minority. We're talking about the racial makeup of the population. Um, the racial makeup of the population. Um, but but today, we're hearing that it's probably going to be not until 2043. Um, and I have said that so, so since 2009, so you know, you have to put things into perspective. So since, so if that is the case, since, since that is the case, there, I said, there is always a backlash by the status quo that is built in within systems, within societies that mitigate against major changes, such as the racial change, that's a major change, demographical change in the US, that's major because people were, the study, when we were conducting the study, we were asking questions such as, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I had to say that. I had to say, what point, where was I? What, what point was I making? What, 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 the, what, what was the point I was making, guys? Hello? Thinking about it, sir. Hold on. <laughs> what? You come on now, man. Oh my god, help work with me here. Oh, 
I got great news just now. Great news until my mind. <laughs> I got very good news. I wanted this news and this call. I wasn't going to take it, but something said, someone said, take the call. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you, Jesus. Something about Lord, I want to praise you. Mm. I want to thank you. I want to bless you. Yes. What were we talking about? Oh, oh, coming to that, that the, the privilege of um being in America, and oh, you were talking about um the institution. Well, you started to talk about yes, yes. Oh my God! Oh, you that's a double A. I'm telling you, you on top of it, Alicia. Thank, thank you, thank you, man. <laughs> thank you. Yes. This is a very important point, and I want you to follow me here. Follow me. The point is you follow the point. Follow the story here. So I am talking about the demographics and how by how by immigration is important to people who live in the Caribbean, who live in the global south. Okay, it's very immigration is a very important issue. And I said the ability to come from the global south to the global north is a great achievement in a sense. It's a great, it, it is a, it is an achievement in a sense, and I tell people that. You, I feel as though I've achieved because there are many people who are not who are trying to come to the US and they're finding it hard or trying to go to Canada or trying to go to the UK. From or and it's not just a Jamaican, it's a global south. And that's one of the things that connect us. There is this drive. And you know, when we I try to get involved in the debate, in the immigration, and when um, when Alicia talk about thinking globally and the importance of thinking globally. Um, and preparing our people to think globally is also to be a part of the conversation, okay, and to be innovators, okay, as well. Um, I said in the book, neoliberal globalization, when you think about the immigrant going from, from the global south to the global north, it's, it's going because of upper, looking for opportunity. People travel looking for opportunity, okay? I am here not because I'm better than you or anybody else. I'm here because I'm looking for, if we, if I believe that Jamaica provided all the opportunities I have, maybe I would have still be there. So I am not in a better position than you. Okay. So I say to people, when we come here, and that is why when people, black, some African-Americans do well at sports because they come from struggle. Okay. And when you find, when you come here, you know, you work, you work, you, you grasp at the opposite. Some Jamaicans have three and four jobs or they do well because of, they come from a system that encourages hard work, but you don't see the benefit from your hard work. So you come here, you still don't get a lot of benefit from the hard work compared to the other people who are privileged, but it's still better than what you would have had if you were somewhere else. Okay. But the immigration is important because I said to you, when you look at what happened, yes. Yeah, so I said to you in 2000, immigrate, the immigration policy, does not favor people who are, who come from predominantly black and brown countries. Espe okay, it, it has that has always been the case, but especially since two thousand and nine. In two thousand and nine, and most and in okay, there is a study that suggests that the, the demographical makeup of this country will change. The minority will be part of the majority. In other words, black and brown people will not. Be part of the majority. It's going to happen in 2023, 20, in 2020, 2025. It's not going to happen in 2023 anymore. It's not going to happen. Now they are predicting it, that's going to happen in 2043. 
Okay, so I ask, why is it that it hasn't happened? Why now 2043? What has slowed down this move, this thrust, this drive? Okay, first of all, immigration policy, which favors people, white people from Anglo-Saxon countries, or the, okay, or people from certain places. It favors those, okay. And of course, immigration policy from for um towards global south or people who come from black and brown countries, poorer countries, they're okay. Immigration policies are draconian, restrictive, and that is done so okay, so as to preserve the racial makeup of the post-industrial country, per se, the U.S., the U.K., Canada, France, whatever the case is, okay. To preserve the demographic makeup. Now, it is, it is probably within their interests <clears throat> and country's interest to preserve um, their country from any major cataclysmic change. Um, and so that's an important concept to consider to think about when you start thinking about immigration and our immigration policy towards some countries. Okay. And but I said the, the issue of immigration is important to Jamaica. Okay. Of course, we talk about the issue of brain drain, where your brightest are leaving. Yes. But you also talk about brain drain also create opportunity because they, people come here, create opportunities. And of course, now you talk about uh, remittances. Remittances is one of the top three or four earners in Jamaica. Okay. Jamaica benefits heavily from remittances. So yes, okay, the one problem, brain drain, create an opportunity. Okay. And, and, and the world is competitive. We live in a competitive world. So in terms of how we negotiate, how we engage the world, okay, we have to think about that. We have to think in competitive ways that we live in a, in a competitive environment. And so when Caribbean countries negotiate um, politically, okay, then we have to think so in, uh, we have to remember that we live in a competitive world. But anyway, that's a side point. But, um, but, let's, but today we want to talk about um, critical thinking. And I guess that stems from... Um, critical thinking. Um, let me bring up the lecture. By the way, I sent an email out to you guys. There is no assignment that was due. Um, the lecture for, I want you guys to watch lecture for last week. And oh, I have a question. Let me stop here quickly because I have a question for you guys. Um, let me exit this. What do I, uh, what do I stop share i want to bring up um uh last week's class um last week i introduced the course on day one of semester two and um and i explored the idea of the caribbean as an invention on this um underscoring this idea with the critical thinking and I said that there are several questions that I raised in that lecture. Anyone, anybody remember the questions that we raised? That would have been the class before the last class. Yes, yes. I think I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I only got two. So eight, nine. <laughs> okay, fine. Let me hear what you got. Okay, the first one was what is the symbiotic relationship between offense and colonialism? 
Oh my God! Yes, I was supposed. Oh wow! 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 Oh wow! So, okay, you see how that is? That I don't even have that on here. Oh. What is the symbiotic relationship between colonialism and offense? I did ask that question, but I did not give you the answer. We were supposed to do a follow up, um, and I. I Sorry, and what else? What was the other one? The only other one I got is the one that um where he asked, what is the Caribbean and who determines our history? That's the only other one I have. Okay, that is major. That's a, one of the major ones. Um, what that one is major. That's perfect. That's good. Very, very good. Anybody else? Well, thank you. I didn't I didn't even have that one on my list. I didn't have that one. What is the symbiotic relationship between colonialism and offense? Actually, that is that is a very important question. And probably be, even before I begin critical thinking today, I will I will pop I will talk about that real quickly. But um, I wonder if you guys know what's the what's the symbiotic what is what is the relationship between colonialism and offense? You know, that stems from critical thinking. Um, and I'm going to, I'll just talk about that briefly later on. But other questions involve one, we ask in whose interest is the society invented? When, okay. We said a cabin is an invention. We wanted the question that stems from that. Okay, fine. If we are an invention, in whose interest is the society invented? Okay. That is a very important question because I'm going to ask you another question, which probably put that question in greater perspective. And, and I'm going to ask you, that's, a, that's an activity you're going to do in the class later on at the break. It's now four o'clock. So the class starts at three, four, five. We're supposed to finish at six. So at five o'clock, we're going to take a break at like five minutes to five. And at five, and when we come back, I'm going to give you an, a, a quick 10 minutes activity to do but and the and the question and if you follow me on social media then or read my work and stuff maybe you would have seen this already what it what it is that distinguishes cuba and haiti from i think some of you might even know the answer already but from haiti from, sorry from jamaica and diana and um Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados. I'm, I'm gonna okay, but that's a very important question. That's a very important question. That question puts this question we ask in whose interest is society invented. Put that per question into perspective. Okay, so we're gonna ask you that question. Another one we are going to ask is um where is it? And another one we're gonna ask is have in Sorry, another question that comes up is have in have inherited attitudes and beliefs held us back? Have inherited attitudes and beliefs held us back? Very important question. Should we start answering no? Wait, you want to answer it now? I want an attempt. Um, 
it's not a full um, answer with a lot of sen- sentences. It's just something that I thought of in the moment. So okay. for the first question that says, um, what's the difference between Cuba, Haiti, and the other Caribbean islands? It's that the fact that Cuba and Haiti have somewhat of an embargo on them. They can't really ship and from outside countries that once colonized them. And the fact that the way that they went about their independence are trying to detach from the rule that they had, it restricted them as a country, as a whole. And the question about, um, what was the last question? I'm trying to remember. Wait, hold on. What, how you have you been doing extra reading? Me, sir? Yes. Not exactly. It's just that stuff that I learned from from this class. You taught us some part of this when you were having a discussion. And then um okay, yes, yes, from yes. that I had previous history lessons from high school. Very good. Very good. You 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 were very well done. Very well done. That means you might you're gonna be able to answer the quiz. I have a quiz for you guys to do um, today. Today, yeah, it's a it's a one question quiz. It's easy as hell. Sorry, it's easy as heaven. <laughs> Trust me, you guys gonna love it. But it's easy. It's just like it's a quiz. It's just like a choose. You just have to choose it. I want to say why you say that, but very well done. But by the way, let me go. Go ahead. Okay. I was talking about the second question. I don't remember what the second question was. But you don't have to answer this now because we don't have much time. But later on, okay. you can, we're going to ask you to answer it. But have inherited attitudes and beliefs held us back? Well, I would want to hear your point on that one. Have inherited okay. attitudes and beliefs held us back as a region, as a country and as a region? Um, okay, I do believe it does play a role in our decision-making process because some beliefs that we have about certain things that are now open-minded throughout other so-called first world countries, we don't have them. All right, so there is this thing about um, homosexuality. You know, it's open-minded over in the United States, right? And they make a big deal out of it, whereas within Jamaica, based on culture and our beliefs, we don't incline or go over that side of the island right um i guess it puts us on a restriction as how some other countries like canada are a bit open-minded to it so when we don't accept certain policies that they accept i guess a restriction is placed on us that's what i think uh if i the issue of that's a the issue of cu- culture is very important because culture speaks to a way of life of a people. But culture yes, is dangerous. Culture can culture is important because that you know it helps with one's it helps to determine one's identity, um, um, belonging to a group, and so on and so forth. But it's also dangerous to the individual because. Um, because there is always this drive to want to impose group behavior on the individual where that individual might manifest behaviors that is not unique to the group okay and um and so so we we talk about okay culture is important but where 
but but it's also dangerous. Where is it dangerous? And how do we and how do we mitigate? I mean, and some behaviors that we that we say is a cultural thing. Probably it's not necessarily cultural, it's but more so cultic in a sense. It's more so totalitarian privilege. Um, ideologies leading that imposes on individual individual that has nothing to do with um, human value and ethics. If anything, certain cultural beliefs that certain countries or peoples subscribe to, oh, okay, and make it even to making anything else a taboo to the to the point of creating violent rules to 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 restrict and to 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 control a particular behavior um it's about of course maybe it's about controlling identity i mean you're trying to control or you say for example in the u.s we talk about the demographical change in, in the u.s they are going as far as to changing immigration law making immigration law favorable to one group of people and not and unfavorable to another group of people so that it can protect its racial makeup and its complexity. Okay, well, uh, in Jamaica now, there is this, um, there is this, um, of course, we have institutions that help to preserve uh, an identity, which I don't know if that's an issue of identity, if more, it's more behavior and a behavior that they're probably trying to control behavior and say that that's part of our culture. A particular behavior as being part of a culture, does that take away from the culture? Um, I mean, it's so much to consider here, so much to, to unpack it. But, hold, but the thing is, but how does it hold back a country? That's the next question. But anyways, there's another question. Wherever you find Black people, there is poverty. Wherever you find Black people, there is poverty. That's probably an assertion or a, 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 a ethical, sorry, a hypothesis. Oh, sorry, not a hypothesis. It's a, an assertion, a hunch. And um, an anecdote, it's from anecdotal. It's an anecdotal discovery that I flesh out more in my second book. Wherever you find Black people, there is poverty. But can I tell you, that is true. <laughs> okay. uh, or I, by poverty, I mean... Or they're uh, yeah you know it's poorer than anywhere else. Corruption. The next one is corruption and waste. Yes, sir. But not just not. I would more likely specify and say although it is in its own country, it's not. It's not. What call it? Dominant. I would say it, it's more globally. When you go outside of your country and you see black people there, it's like. The poverty is there outside of their country, within their country, because remember economic stances. They the money they get from the US, they can come back to another country and live like a luxurious lifestyle. Not every person in their Caribbean country is what should I say, poor or have insufficient funds. No to classify them as poor, but as and have insufficient. So that's that's something that I just like to put across. Well, I mean, I mean, but by that you talk. About, I'm talking about when you look compare, you know, compare comparatively, comparatively wherever. Okay, whether in ter within their country or globally, the poor, poor, the poor, the lo locations with a 
with with a majority or more, the more black the more black people you have the poorer that particular place is okay compared to any other place where okay when you go to wherever you, whenever you find less and less of black and brown people you find less and less poverty that is true now we can study that and i mean you, we can have a debate about that okay um, but that is the truth you find say for example um, in the scandinavian countries or where you find, you find less poverty in, in community quality is very low in the and but i should say poverty and in high and oh and higher levels of income inequality that i should add that in scandinavian countries they're not as poor as we they're not very poor countries they're not as poor compared to countries where you have other post-industrial countries where you have more black people in their countries in their places okay corruption and waste are possible reasons that have deepened caribbean realities corruption and waste what is critical thinking? Critical race theory and the dynamics of race. The Negro is not any more than the white man. Does that pertain today? The Negro is not any more than the white man. That's from Fanon in Black Skin's White Masks. And he wrote that book in the 1950s. The question is, does that pertain today? Of course, we're going to, what does he mean by the Negro is not any more than the white man? So that question is, does it pertain today? Will, means we have to first ask, what does he mean by the Negro is not any more than the white man? First of all, that particular sentence is packed with a lot. The Negro is not. The black man is not. Okay, he is, the Negro is not. And then put a full stop. Okay, and then proceed to say any more than the white man. He, okay, the way in which he, he poses that statement was his violence, was his resistance, okay? Because the language is quite, the language is quite um, powerful, strong, um, it's mechanical, it's anachronistic, but he does it that way because first of all, you don't have to, you, you, usually when people are comparing things, they say, the Negro is not any more than the white man. But he said the Negro is not and put a full stop and then say any more than the white man. He did okay, he does so deliberately. Okay. Because he don't okay, so as not to compare the Negro with anything else than he's not. But he wanted to elevate the Negro, still comparing him, but within in within his own terms. Okay. The human is not a human within the idea and the milieu of any anything else okay he is and the white man is okay um but we will talk about that compact statement later on in the course what is happening in the world today with the rise in extremism and ai technology how are we affected and what detractions or opportunities do these provide the caribbean again what is happening in the world today with the rise in extremism and AI technology? And how are we affected and what detractions or opportunities do these provide? And what is the Caribbean as part of the new world? What is the Caribbean as part of the new world? Again, what is the Caribbean as part of the new world? 
because again, you know, we are part of a whole. I mean, we can think, we can think locally or globally. I think it's important for us that we are part of a, we are part of the world, especially with technology and so on. We are part of a world. We are part of this new world in the Americas, but we are also part of the Western civilization, and we are part of a world that has become global with technology. Okay, so we are part of a new world. Very important. So then, what is the Caribbean as part of that new world? Okay, we have with you know, given our size, of course, we have we are very vulnerable, but we have other small countries. In the England is very small, you know. Um, Singapore is very small, but yet still there are major players in the world today. Why can't Caribbean nations be major players in the world today more than we are now? Um, so that was the first lecture we did. The second lecture, I have a, I think the second lecture was more introducing yourselves and getting to know you. So um, that's not, um, so I didn't do anything on, on, on that second lecture. So let me stop sharing my screen. So those were the questions that we, um, that we raised, uh, but there is a, there is a, um, somebody asked that, um, Alisa reminded me about the symbiotic relationship between colonialism and offense. And I'm gonna share with you what the symbiotic relation, I'm happy you asked me that question because I had forgotten about that question and I actually was supposed to share something. Um, I wanna talk about that quickly. Uh, if I could find it, if I, let me see if I could find it. Hopefully, I can find it. I will. Okay, there we go. I did. So I want to share that. Um, I asked a question in that in that uh, first class. Was it? I don't know if it was the first class or the class last week. Maybe it was the class last week. But I was supposed to talk about that with you guys briefly, talking about the symbiotic relationship. Um, let me share my screen because I want to share this with you. What is the symbiotic relationship between what does offense have in common with colonialism? I think that's a good place to begin as we get into critical thinking. If I were to ask you, what does offense have in common with colonialism? What would you guys say? It could, yes. serve, uh, it could serve as a line of demarcation. Okay. All right. Anybody else? That's fine. Um, but and I don't have much... That's it, because I don't have much time to... I have, I have, let me get into it real quickly. Colonialism at its core was rooted in the violence of theft the violence of theft. Um, again, colonialism at its core was rooted in what? The violence of theft. A group seizing another's land. A group seizing another's land. And then erecting border fencing to safeguard their ill-gotten property. You know, if you read Karl Marx's Das Kapital, Karl Marx's book, and he has several volumes, and Karl Marx is the father of Marxism or capitalism. 
when people talk, when people use the word Karl Marx or capitalism or Marxism or socialism, some people get very nervous. But I've said, I've argued that because people do not understand the idea of socialism. Socialism is not totalitarianism. There's a difference between totalitarianism, okay? And social, socialism is not totalitarianism. Socialism is not fascism. It's not fascism. It's not totalitarianism. It's not dictatorial governance. Okay. Socialism pro pro promotes equal distribution of resources in society, equity, and advantage a political system that considers um, equal distribution and fairness. So a capitalist society like the U.S. and a dependent capitalist society like Jamaica and the Caribbean, and the Caribbean, who have experimented with socialism, they have a kind of capitalism. And even China today isn't a fully socialist country. They still have some um, capitalist arrangement with um, with a capitalist class, but in terms of how the country is operated. Economically, it's a capitalist country, but um, politically, it's a state-run economy, okay? But Karl Marx talks about the pre-accumulation of capital, which was different from Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, because Adam Smith, who is the father of modern economic theory um, in terms of in West, in within the Western world, um, Karl Marx would be more representing the East, Adam Smith would be more represented the West in terms of their economic, the economic theory. Karl Marx challenged, and he would be considered an iconoclast, an image breaker in a sense, breaking from what we have always thought was the reason for economic growth and boom or what we call the accumulation of capital. Adam Smith, who wrote The Wealth of Nation, argued that, well, he talks about the wealth of nation was a result Well, he talked about a result of capitalism and how the society was organized. And Max Weber developed, went on to talk about um, the Protestant ethic, this hard work was what characterized these capitalist societies, these Western societies, with their plantocracy and eventually the, the, the status quo, who became the financiers and the wealthy um, financiers in this country, the dominant class. He said that Adam Smith talked about the realization of wealth stemming from hard work, stemming from scientific production and so on. Max Faber talks about the Protestant ethics, saying that people became rich because of hard work and labor stemming from this kind of, this Arianistic religious Protestant ethic of working hard for salvation. That that Protestant theological ethic was 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 um, was the theological basis in Western society that drove their their economic basis of hard work. That is part of capitalism, hard work. But capitalism 
But we talk about when we study economics, economics is about the distribution of or the allocation of resources. But how do you allocate the resources depending on the system and the philosophy and the philosophy that a particular society have? So in a capitalist society that um, that 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 embraces greed and nepotism and uh, and privilege, the way in which um, the distribution of resources is um, is done in such a way where it favors the few over the many. Okay. However, the however, um, however, when you study the accumulation of capital idea, according to Adam Smith and Max Weber, you will think it's because of scientific arrangements or because of hard work. To so the people who don't, who don't realize this American dream, the people who don't realize um, the benefit of the wealth are the people who do maybe they don't work hard enough. That's the victim mentality that is part of the a capitalist societies as part of, okay? But we talk about Karl Marx. Karl Marx says, no, the wealth of nations wasn't as a result of really anything scientific, really. It wasn't as a result of hard work and labor. It is a result of theft. It's a result of class conflict. One class fighting another class and forcing them off their land and then, and then develop the technology and the tools and the weaponry to develop their, their protection against their ill-gotten gain by developing institutions and so on and so forth to protect their theft. So colonialism at its core was rooted in the violence of theft. Of course, that, that is what, that's um, which colonialism is part of capitalism as well. Colonialism is, is part of the idea of capitalism. Colonialism involves control, but the control was one done through theft. It is at its core was rooted in the violence of theft. That is what Karl Marx is getting at when he talks about the accumulation of capital and, and the strategy behind the accumulation of capital, the accumulation of original capital and how that has been passed on. That original theft okay, has been passed on from generation to generation so that the status quo that you have today okay, comes from an original activity involving a colonial practice of theft whereby institutions have been developed through various sophisticated ways, whether through religion or science or the legal framework or political framework to protect their ill-gotten gains. Colonialism at its core was rooted, which started probably in the 1500s, 15 to 1600s. And I said to you in the last week's, week, week before last class, coupled with the start of colonialism was the invention of race because people, people didn't think in terms of race. Race became a normative, a normal part of the conversation be became accepted in race as a theory was on the back shelf of academia. It wasn't accepted as part of academia, as part of the understanding in human society prior to the 1500s. But just when they were about to, to, to enslave a whole nation, Africa, and use them as part of the slave trade, 
to beef up their countries and their colonies through the slave trade and the sugar plantation and the transatlantic zone and so forth. They found, they had to, I went, and by the way, fine, when I talk about they, we're talking about um, the, mer um, the, the merchants, we're talking about the plantocracy, we're talking about the dominant class at the time, the, um, the, the monarchy, okay, and, and the nobles and those um, uh, who controlled the world at the time. In the 1500s and the 1600s we're talking that's what we're talking about so they had and remember that the church was played a very significant role in society and so they had to justify to the church they had to justify to their civil society why they had to enslave a whole set of people as they embark on this kind of colonialism okay this violent can take over of a whole people Okay, uprooting a whole set of people, bringing them to a whole new world. They had to justify that, and the justification they used was to develop, was to realize that there was a theory that someone has written that was just a theory that they that became that that they baptized as scientific. Okay, they baptized as scientific, as scientific the idea of race develop racial classification and then put at the bottom of that classification black people from Africa who they then say were devils and demons with no religion, with no culture, with no tongue. Okay, were devils and demons with no religion, with no, with no sophistication. They weren't people, they were demons. They were, they were relatives of Satan. And they were part of, and they were of a different race. And so now they could justify why they could enslave a whole set of people and treat them as property. That is the strategy that has, that, that, that has gone on to the history, that, that has gone into the invention of the Caribbean and what we have today. But colonialism at its core was rooted in the violence of theft. A group seizing another's land and then erecting border border fencing to safeguard their ill-gotten property. Let that sink in. The concept of fences, as we understand them today, emerged just as colonization was commencing. Again, let me say that the concept of fencing or of fences, fences, as we understand them today, cornering off a place for yourself and keeping out the outsiders as we understand them today emerged just as colonization was commencing intertwining the two in a complex historical narrative the term fence in middle english initially meant defense with its evolved meaning of surrounding with a fence dating back to or around the 1500s. This period, I noticed the 1500s, and remember, this period coincide with what? The onset of modern colonialism marked by European discoveries of sea routes around Africa's south coast in 1488 and America in 1492. 
So this is so I'm talking about the symbiotic relationship or what they have in common. This is important. Again, let me say this again. The term fence in Middle e in Middle English initially meant defense, with its evolved meaning of surrounding with a fence dating back to or around 1500s. This period coincided with the onset of modern colonialism marked by European discoveries of sea or, or of sea routes around Africa's south coast in the 1488. They discovered Africa's, the, okay, the European discoveries of the sea routes, the sea routes around Africa's south coast in 1488, and then an America by 1492. Consider the Americas, the Americas, and when I talk about the Americas, I'm talking about inclusive of the Caribbean. Okay, its islands and the mainland. Once inhabited by ancient Indians and Amerindians, and I use the word ancient Indians because you now there is this confusion about native Indians, indigenous Indians, and ancient Indians. Okay, so African, um, it says this, so okay, fine. So we say ancient Indians when we talk about the original. Okay, so consider the Americans, sorry, the Americas, once inhabited by ancient Indians and, Amer and, Amerind and Amerindians. And I say to you, the Caribbean, as part of the Americas, just so you know, the Caribbean is part of the Americas. Before the, before the Europeans came, and before, and of course, you had the Taino people, you have the Incas, you have the Aztecs, and they had a sophisticated system, just so you know. They had a sophisticated system. But they, they were said to be kind of nomadic. And I said they traveled and traversed all over the Americas, depending on the changing tides, depending on the seasons. Depending, so so, so the, Amer the, the Americas had people that were always traveling. The, Amer the peoples of the Americas never had nations the way we, the Europeans, had nations. Just as your Palestinian, the, in Palestine, the, they never, they considered themselves a people, not necessarily a nation with laws, following this deist kind of an understanding of life. Okay. This embracing being one with nature, and they just okay, and just so they so they as soon as so people were able to go from move from you know you know that was part of that's one of the thing that that was characteristic of the Caribbean, the, on the and and the Americas. Okay, with the peoples here, they traveled all over. The people traveled all over in their various groups. They travel and they would pass and they would pass. They were traveling groups, so the kind. They were very groupish. They weren't. They had fencing, but the fencing was in their groups. They stuck together, and they would travel all over the Americas, depending on the um the change, the changing season. Of course, the, the the lower part of the equator it was it was always tropical. But sometimes, if the tropics weren't what um if uh, if the tropics wasn't um wasn't providing the kind of um means for that would benefit their survival then they would travel to 
Central America, or maybe they will go down to South America, or they go up to North America. Maybe it will take them days or months. They, they will travel along the coast of, okay. So there was always this travel that happened, that, was, that, was, that, that had always happened in the Caribbean, okay. But, but, um, but, but there are those who was, who would, who would, who was always about creating fencing after they've stolen whatever they've stolen. So, consider the Americas, once inhabited by ancient Indians and Amerindians, these indigenous peoples, often nomadic, traversed the continent's coastlines, adapting to the varying fertility of the land, dictated by climate changes, Lacking the technology for permanent structures like fences, they embraced a nomadic lifestyle, these ancient Indians. Then came the European colonizers. And I call the European colonizers, and no disrespect, but I call them the foreigner thief. Okay? And this, this lecture is going to be available publicly so people will hear it. Then came the European colonizers, who I call the foreigner thief. That's what Karl Marx wants his, his talks about in his um in his writing, in terms of how how people who have wealth today came to have wealth through theft. Okay. Anyways, then came the foreigner thief, the colonizers, the foreigner thief around the fifteen hundreds, dominating the Americas and restricting the nomadic movements of indigenous peoples. The Europeans, having claimed the land, began erecting fences, physical and metaphorical, to demarcate the protect to demarcate and protect their acquisitions. Now, this shift from a free land of nomadic peoples to a landscape divided by borders represents a pivotal moment in the history of the Caribbean and the Americas. Okay. But it also, it, it was also the advent of a pivotal moment in Africa because it was also what had helped to underdevelop Africa because that's what led to the underdevelopment of Africa because the brightest and their best people were shipped to, were stolen and shipped over to the new world. Okay. And of course, the violent, clashes with violent weapons and the deals that were struck between the Europeans and various countries in Africa, and I'm going to call them countries and not tribe, because why do we call them tribe? We're going to call them countries, okay? So as to give them, I call them greater value. But sir, don't they regard themselves as coming from tribes? No, no, no. They consider themselves as a people, much like a country, but not a nation state. But when we say tribe, we are, we are using a Western understanding of language and linguistic to downplay the sophistication of their arrangement. Oh, okay. okay. It is, they speak other languages. They don't speak English. It is we, tribe, the word tribe is an English word. It is we who ascribe it. Um, tribe to them okay 
<laughs> they don't Europeans they don't in European language they don't and system they do not as they don't consider them as sophisticated nations or countries or people so they call them they use the term tribes okay and then in the in our own way move to try to um, try to develop an understanding of their own arrangements okay as if it's not it doesn't it, there's no value to it but the Europeans, having claimed the land began erecting fences physical and metaphorical to demar to demarcate and protect their acquisitions now this shift from a free land of nomadic nomadic people because they were nomadic nomadic means they travel they're always traveling they're always moving so this shift from a free land of nomadic people, because that's what the Americas was before the Europeans came. Okay, so the shift from a free land of nomadic people, except for probably the Aztecs, and in a to a smaller degree the 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 um the Incas, but the but the Taino people were was more nomadic. The shift from a free land of nomadic people to a landscape divided by borders represents a pivotal moment in history. Take the, take the descendants of ancient Indians whose ancient, an ancestors embraced nomadism. Now, the impact of colonization persists as they, as, as they too migrated in large numbers to the United States. The colonial legacy marked by stolen land and fenced boundaries influences the dynamics of movement and settlement in the Americas. In closing, exposing the historical convergence of fences and colonialism unveils a compelling narrative of theft, dominance, and the enduring repercussions of indigenous communities understanding these parallels enriches our perspectives on the intricate interplay between cultural practices, land ownership, and the lasting effects of colonial. Legacy. So, of course, this stems from the question uh, um, of what does offense have in common with colonialism? Of course, you can share your thoughts, by the way, on this particular thought-provoking question. What does offense have in common with colonialism? Okay, and that's where we stop with that question. So that was one of the questions we, we talked about last week. Any thoughts on this before we begin, before I transition into my next um, lecture for today, looking at the idea of... of um, critical thinking. What is critical thinking? And the importance of critical thinking to this study. And by the way, I want you guys to consider the question. Um, I want you guys to consider this brace. Uh, we're going to do a brain teaser. You guys going to do this brain teaser. What do Haiti and Cuba not have in common with Domin the Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Trinidad and Barbados? One, poorest in the world. Two, black and brown peoples. Three, granted freedoms. Four, taken freedoms. Five, embargoes and shaky dem um, diplomacy and international relations. Six, debt depend. Actually, let me share my screen. So we're gonna do this when we come back um, to the for the class in a second. Uh, is this it? I believe so. Um, we're gonna do this a brain teaser uh, as part of um, as part of the understanding of the paradox of sovereignty, Cuba and Haiti's struggle um, for freedom and the challenge of development. Um, 
Growing to use equation, what do Haiti and Cuba not have in common with DR, Jamaica, Trinidad, and Barbados? One, those are the options, and then the, the, the sorry, and the, the answer options are you can choose from one of those two, five, six, and seven, one, four, five, one, and three, three, and four, one, four, and one, four, and ooh. Oh, I just noticed an error here. One, four, and... Oh, wow, 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 wow. Okay, fine, but that's what we're going to do later on. All right? Yes, Alan, go ahead. So you say we're going to be heading into a lecture about critical thinking, correct? Yeah, right now. Uh, I was just wondering... What's the, the difference between the course that we did previously, which is critical thinking, and what you're going to be lecturing now? We did a whole course on critical thinking. Um, because I'm going to talk about critical thinking as a, say for example, you do Caribbean theology, but in this course, there's a topic on Caribbean theology. Okay, so we delve into, we touch on Caribbean theology. So there is a, so this course is Caribbean thinking, sorry, Caribbean thought. So we are going to, we're going to talk about the study of critical thinking to Caribbean thought. How, what relevance is um, critical thinking to Caribbean thought? Gotcha, sir. Makes right. sense. So, yeah, man. So we're gonna we're gonna do that now. In fact, since you mentioned that, let's delve into it right now. Um, Caribbean thought lecture in conceptualizing the course critical thinking and its importance to the study of the Caribbean. So there we go. You ask the question and the topic of the lecture answers your question. Okay. Um, we, we are conceptualizing the course. And so we're looking at critical thinking and its importance to the study of the Caribbean. Um, we said that important themes and topics and contributors are immigration, um, critical thinking, which is today's lecture, subaltern, sub which is history from below. These are important themes, topics, and, and contributors um, to the study of Caribbean thought. Um, miscellaneous, sorry, misclassified urban Indians. Misclassified urban Indians. Okay, that's important. That's an important theme. Um, dependent capitalism. Democratic socialism. Neoliberal globalization as a strategy. We talked about that last week. For people who weren't here last week, we briefly touched on that. We just explored that. Um, neoliberal globalization as strategy, as a strategy. Neoliberal globalization as a strategy. That's important to our study of Caribbean thought. It is a strategy. Okay. We have to think, okay, fine. What is important is that to remember that I have, I'm saying to you, we live in a global world, a global world that is competitive. Okay. Um, from colonialism until now, we live in a global world, or okay, which is and globalization has sped up thanks to technology. But it's a world based on that is competitive, and competitive involves and um, involves strategy, strategies that we, but that Caribbean people have in a sense not embraced, anticipated, and included in our own arrangements in the world, which has also helped to create our dependency. 
talk about neoliberal globalization, a strategy. Um, Franz Fanon and Homi Baba, very important people. Bob Marley, Louis Bennett, Rex Nettleford, Stephanie Black and Jamaica Kincaid, Sheila James, Norman Gervin, Walter Rodney, B.S. Nepal, Rami Sawan, uh, Maurice Bishop, Fidel Castro, Edward Siaga, Michael Manley. Those people are very important to the, to, uh, to the study of Caribbean thought. Uh, France, you know, Bob Marley, there's a new movie that just came up with Bob Marley. Louise Bennett, very important when, when it comes to the issue of um, language and literature. Rex Nettleford as well with Jamaica Dance Movement, but he's contributed um, several articles and writings concerning the issue of I the issue of identity, our identity. And um, we're going to read a, a paper where he will talk about the question of who we are, okay, looking at the internal and the external. Um, Homi Baba is a post-colonialist from India, but his book, The Location of Culture, is very important to the study of Caribbean thought because Caribbean thought is part of post-colonial studies. And, and she talks about the issue of the cosmopolitan and the issue of the periphery and the center, Franz Fanon, very important figure, um, uh, dealing with the psychoanalytic theory when combing Caribbean struggle for independence and the self, very important figure. Um, anyways, of course, CLR James, we said it's very important. He talks, um, he wrote, uh, he wrote the, the Jacobins, a very good book about Haiti. And uh, and their struggle for independence and their uh, and their revol and the Haitian Revolution. Uh, we Norman Gurman is um, uh, I I like his introduction chapter dealing with the Caribbean. Uh, Walter Rodney, how you want to develop Africa again, and how he was assassinated by. Um, the, I have a lecture for prepared for you already as it relates to Walter Rodney, but he is from the Guyana's experience. But he talked about how Europe was underdeveloped, or Europe underdeveloped Africa, and um, and and he talks about um, this. And there is an article that I did about him. We will, we will talk about. We will delve into Walter Rodney. Um, Wait, sorry, sir, I don't want to cut you, but um, could one of the things you talk about be why he was excommunicated from Jamaica or regarded as persona non grata? Oh yes, that's part of the lecture. We will talk about that. Uh, yes, of course, we know why. We know why, okay. We we know why we are we are talking about we are fighting against the East and the West, socialism and capitalism, okay. In his okay, the the Jamaican government. Oh, I catch it now. The Jamaican government was um part that that we were also um there was major confrontation between socialism and capitalism and going on in the whole Caribbean, okay. Part, part Guyana was also struggling. For independence, and there was you have the eastern countries trying to get take um and eat, trying to be dominant, and of course the U.S. and Western penetration or the or the capitalists or the CIA or the Washington consensus, they are trying to um they want to promote American ideals, okay. So of course there were and the, there are people the local just so the same thing that happened with Maurice Bishop. Maurice Bishop was assassinated by his own people, his people who were supported by. The West, the Western regime, okay, a political regime that promoted a kind of democracy that they were trying to impose on these Caribbean countries, who they were trying to, 
who they want to adopt a kind of political system that mirrors the the mother country, um, Western Europe. Sorry, that um, the US, UK, the US or UK. They want okay, and I talk about that the kind of, and I'm going to talk. Um, that's I talk about that at length later on in my second book. I talk about that. The question I'm going to ask you deals on that. But we will talk about Walter Rodney as well in this class. And if you want to jump ahead, you can go to my YouTube channel and look at the lecture that I talked about Walter Rodney and how he was assassinated. I've written an article about it as well. It's going to be in my second book as well. So it's already there. But for our, you can wait until I talk about him or you can read ahead and see what I've said about him or go to the Jacobin magazine and so we see what they've said. But yes, there's a lot of articles about Walter Rodney. But it's the assassination of Walter Rodney, the assassination of Epepayo in Togo in 1980, um, the assassination of Maurice Bishop in Grenada, okay? Um, the attempt to, uh, uh, the, the attempt to, the, the upheaval in Jamaica between JLP and PNP and what went, was going on in Cuba as well. All of that was part of the fight between the East and the West, socialism and democracy, and the fact that the CIA and, and America and post-industrial countries was trying to and impose their brand of, of policy. It was, you know, that's why I, Bob Marley was says, Bob Marley was at the forefront when you have PNP and JP shaking hands. And I said, we, we were part of that struggle too. But in a sense, always fear differently. Walter Rodney was assassinated. There was some, okay, and there was some assassination in Jamaica too, but we'll talk about that later on. Okay. What? There was a lot of, a, my, I, I can tell you stories because I, my father and some of my family members, they were part of the whole political mix-up in Jamaica. Okay. Working, somebody working for PNP, labor rights and PNP, some set, people set up other people to assassinate people. All of that happened in the Caribbean. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, hold on. Okay. In hold Jamaica, on. as people set up, I'm telling you, but we won't talk about that from, for, because I mean, I'm recording it. I'm probably going to have to remove that recording. Um, oh. Okay. The 1970s and 80s marked a very interesting time in the Caribbean. Okay. And although Jamaica got independence in 1960s, the 80s, we were, there was a lot happening in Jamaica because there was an experiment of socialism, according to, um, um, there was so, an experiment to move to make Jamaica a socialist country. Although there are some people who would say, no, we weren't really embracing, Michael Manley was only appealing to populism. Okay. And he was friends with Fidel Castro. That was a bad picture. So when the Americans saw how close we were with Cuba, that represented, that was not a good look. Okay. The, Jamaica wasn't supposed to become a socialist country. These countries in the Caribbean, we weren't supposed to adopt a socialist. We were supposed to adopt a kind of system that mirrored the dominant country, the post-industrial country, the, the Western country um, civilization or political system, the American system, the, the U or the British system. But anyways, Walter Rodney, V.S. Nepal, Ramesh Sawan, Maurice Bishop, Fidel Castro. So in it, of course, some of the topics that come up in our, that will come up again and again is inequality, poverty, penetration. Penetration. That's a sexual word. 
I talked about that last week a little bit. Um, theology, technology, and opportunity. See Caribbean Thought Lecture 2. And there is a link to Caribbean Thought Lecture 2, um, and you can bring it up. I won't bring it up here, but there's a link. I, I sent this document out to you, so if you read it and then click on the link, it will take you to a lecture or presentation that speaks to the issue of penetration. But I don't have time for that. We're running out of time. But what is critical thinking? Critical thinking involves challenging previously accepted truths, previously accepted truths and beliefs. It is a process essential in Africology and Pan-African studies that encompasses subaltern, the other word, you know you're going to get this word in the exam, that encompasses subaltern, nationalist, and post-colonialist thinking. Alan, I don't know if they talked about this when you did critical thinking, but you see how I am talking about critical thinking, but this is Caribbean thought, and based on the goals of the course, and based on what we're dealing with in the course, and based on how, based on where I'm going with the course, and my presuppositions and my suspicions and my socialist bent, and the fact that I'm a post-colonialist, post-independent person, okay, then you can you can understand you can understand how I approached critical thinking. I'm not approaching it as a as an entire discipline, but as a subject matter important to the course, to the to this to the discipline of Caribbean thought. So I begin by saying that it involves challenging previously accepted truths and beliefs. That's what we're doing in this course. We're going to challenge previously accepted truths and beliefs. Critical thinking involves just that. It is a process that is essential in Africology and Pan-African studies that encompasses subaltern, nationalist, and post-colonialist thinking. It is thinking about thinking. and rethinking what was previously thought. It promotes, it, it promotes thinking around the periphery. It, again, let me say that again. It, it promotes thinking around a particular realm, a particular domain, not necessarily cognitive domain I'm talking about here when I talk about domain. I said that it promotes thinking around the periphery, lifting up, an important trope, an important um, comparative analysis when thinking about this study here. Um, Ohomi Baba wrote the book, um, The Location of Culture, and to talk about the periphery and the center. It promotes thinking around the periphery, okay, as against the center, as against the center, because Center, we're talking about central thinking, mainline thinking. It moves away from the mainline. Talk about the mainline churches. What's the mainline churches? As against the non-mainline churches. So that we talk about the non... To give an understanding of the periphery versus the center. Mainline would be the center. The, the non-mainline churches would be the periphery. Okay? All right? Or traditional thinking. Traditional or, the, or what is... Or the modus operandi would be this would be the traditionalist way or the conservative way of doing things or 
or what's rubric or the rule as against the periphery, okay? The, the traditional, the non-traditional within the periphery. Or you talk about the way in which people view movies today. The main character would be a strong male white character, okay? But today we're seeing movie with, with um, some women, strong black female characters. So now we, there is a move. We are moving away from the center to the periphery, okay? Because now we are seeing, um, we're seeing as central. We're seeing roles that were central to, for uh, central from uh, central to the men. We're seeing women in those roles now. That was we're moving from the center to the periphery. Talk about woke ideology. It's woke. Everything is just woke ideology. Okay, moving from the center to the periphery. So critical thinking is uh, it promotes thinking around the periphery. Talk about VS Nepal and the character. Um, Baba talks about the characters that VS Nepal used in his book when he wrote. He wrote okay the central characters, the hero in his book um, um, were 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 the were the the people who you don't usually see as main characters in stories of the day. Okay, so she talk, talks about the center and the periphery but we I'm, i don't want to delve into the center and the periphery in this class because i'm going to talk about it a little bit more when we delve into um into vs nepal's sorry into um into homi baba's book here but i'm going to read a particular sent section again she said sorry he said according to homi baba homi baba in the location of culture said in in his book Fumbling towards an answer to the question. No. He asked the question, what is missing from the, from the traditionalist world? What is missing? What is it that was missing from the traditionalist world? What was missing from the traditionalist world of English literary study? Again, what was missing from the traditionalist world of English literary study, as I encountered it, was a rich and paradoxical engagement with the pertinence of what lay in an oblique or alien relation to the forces of centering. That is deep. What is he talking about? Again, what was missing from the traditionalist world? The traditionalist, what, what the traditionalist, you know what that is, tradition, the traditions of society, well, from what's missing from the culture, what was missing from the culture, the kind of culture based in tradition of, in, of English literary study, as he encountered it in the 70s and the 80s, was a rich and paradoxical engagement with the pertinence the pertinence, the abrasion, we talk about the abrasion of, okay, or the imposition of what lay in an oblique or alien, oblique or alien, foreign relation to the forces of centering, centering. Writers who were off center, off center, 
So he goes on to explain what he's talking about. That's what's missing from the traditionalist world of English literary study. Writers who were off center. Literary texts that had been passed by. Themes and topics that had lain, laid dormant or unread in great works of literature. These were the angles of vision and visibility that enchanted me. I do not mean in any sense to glorify margins on, and peripheries. However, I do want to make graphic what it means to survive, to produce, to labor, and to create within a world system whose major economic impulses and cultural investments are pointed in a direction away from you, away from your country, away from your people. V.S. Nepal's central character in his novel, The Mimic Men, when it begins to dawn on him that the great stone walls of London don't contain a unique weight and an uns unsurpassable resonance, they're like stones elsewhere, anywhere in the world. In other words, he's making the point here that the center was always said to be things that come from the global north. The center was always think things that was represented by the white Anglo-Saxon. Nothing major comes out of the Caribbean. Nothing major, nothing great, not, nothing of significance came out of the Caribbean. Everything made, anything major and worth mentioning was always up north or non-Caribbean in a sense. So that's what we're talking about when we talk when we when we start talking about the center and the periphery. What is center and what is periphery? What is traditional? What is valuable in the world as we know it? It's always those things representing the global north or the formerly colonial master or what is white or Anglo-Saxon, okay? or what comes or rep represented by a particular traditional system. Critical thinking is opposed to that, in a sense. It promotes thinking not around that. It promotes thinking around the periphery as against the center. It will be suspicious. Of course, it's going to be suspicious of traditions and thinking in a certain way that helped to order one's milieu. It transcends pragmatism and it considers Eurocentric mm -hmm. and Afrocentric understanding of truths to digress from ethnocentrism. Okay, I'm gonna say this again. It promotes thinking around the periphery as against the center. It transcends, to transcend is to go beyond. It transcends pragmatism, pragmatic truth. And it considers, because we talk about different theories of truth, coherence theory of truth, pragmatic um, theory of truth, correspondence theory of truth. And the pragmatist is the American. What kind of truth do we have in the Caribbean? Is it correspondence or coherent? Anyways, but it considers the US, but Critical thinking considers would consider Eurocentric and Afrocentric understanding of truth as, as a way to digress from ethnocentrism. 
where you make a value judgment based on your own ideas and your own values and understanding. You make a value judgment. When you make, it, when you make an assessment based on your own value, that being ethnocentric. But when you make a value, when you make a judgment based on your own value that has been corrupted or inherited by Eurocentrism over any Afro-Caribbean legacy, that also facilitates a kind of ethnocentrism that is eschewed by critical thinking, but the critical thinker will understand that his thinking has to be deliberated against thinking that has been hybridized or infected by an inheritance stemming from the transatlantic, stemming from a kind of adoption of Eurocentric ideals. This form of thinking operates, critical thinking, it operates within these domains, aiming for specific goals, because critical thinking has specific goals. When you, to, critical thinking has goals. Now, it can be likened, by the way, when we talk about critical thinking, critical thinking can be likened to iconoclastic thinking. Oh my God, what am I talking about? Yes. Critical thinking can be likened to iconoclastic thinking. Iconoclastic thinking. As seen when Plato shifted from the Greek notion of the warrior king to the philosopher king. Plato, yes, Plato shifted from the Greek notion or the idea of the warrior king that was always the idea in the Greco world, the Greek world, okay? The Greek world, from Homer all the way up. The dominant char character, their pride came from the philosopher king. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. From, no, sorry, from the warrior king, Achilles, yes? The warrior king. But then when Plato came into the mix years later, long after Homer and all these other, all his forefathers, to talk about someone else. Plato talks about, shifted from the Greek notion of the warrior king to the philosopher king. Promoting a re-evaluation of the hero archetype. Again, again, Plato, I said, the form of thinking, this form of, to think critically within these domains is likened to iconoclastic thinking as seen when Plato shifted from the Greek notion of the warrior king because that who was king in, in, Greek, in Greece at the time, the warrior king. But now Plato comes on the scene and he talks about the philosopher king, prompting a re-evaluation of the hero archetype. 
That's who the hero is, the philosopher king. Furthermore, critical thinking, critical thinking with these disciplines reimagines individuals through the lens of critical race theory. And um, you can see, I, by the way, there is a, there is a there's further discussion about what critical thinking is. If you go to, uh, there's a discussion on critical thinking on um, the, in the neoliberal corporation website page on what is critical thinking. But let's take, for example, this particular question. All men are philosophers. Later on, Gramsci, Gramsci comes on the scene and say, no, all men are philosophers. Philosopher, um, Plato say, talks about the philosopher king. All men aren't philosopher king. In Plato's Republic, Plato um, sees as ideal in Plato's re Republic with the idea of the cave. If you guys study philosophy already or introduction to philosophy, you talk in, and read Plato's um, Republic and he talks about the ideal society and he talks about the concept of the cave and he talks about um, the ideal society and he talks about the guardian and, and the philosopher king. He puts the philosopher king as, at the top. But then Gramsci comes about and said, no, there is, there is no ph philosopher king. All men are philosophers. He eschews intellectualism outside of any class. He believes that um, intellectualism is an institution that preserves the status quo. Foucault, Michel Foucault, the postmodernist, also eschews institution, seeing it this, as the same thing. Facilitating the maintenance of simpletons. I, I said last week, life is what you make it or what you allow others to make of it for you, thereby creating privileges for themselves. So that stems from doing critical thinking, actually. That stems from doing critical thinking. So when I talk about the, the importance of crit critical thinking, critical thinking in its simplistic basic definition is thinking about thinking and what was previously or is the current thought that builds on or debunk information that leads to new discoveries of thought and positions that improves life. It is deliberately and intentionally reflecting on truths, challenging oneself, whether through introspective discourse or engagement with others. It deconstructs reality by scrutinizing current knowledge and truths that we have about ourselves. Critical thinking is usually within the realm of the post-colonial, the post-modern skeptics, or those who are fighting for better, leading to effective change and leading to progress. It is not just philosophers or academics who must think deeply about all things, because as I said, Gramsci says that what? All men are philosophers, okay? But we are led to believe, coming from a, plato a platonic, a platonic kind of um, thinking, we are led to believe that 
or only some men are philosophers. But then Gramsci, the iconoclast said, or the iconoclast means image breaker, and an image an iconoclast is an image breaker. So iconoclast iconoclastic thinking is image breaking thinking, and or ground breaking thinking. So we do a lot of groundbreaking thinking. So critical thinking is usually within the realm of the post-colonial or post-modernist or skeptics or those who are fighting for better, leading to effective change, effective change and progress. It is not just philosophers or academics who must think deeply about all things so as to ascertain truth. But those whose understanding of life those whose understanding of life are shaped by tainted, tainted narratives, tainted narratives that are monopolized by the subjective, by the subjective. However, we cannot escape the subjective. We cannot escape the subjective as this is how we make sense of our reality based on what we learn from Descartes in his phenomenology, the study of the mind, that leads to his reality within the totality of what is true and how one may come to affirm what truth or that truth of reality. Uh, you know, I'm going to say that again. We cannot escape the subjective. And critical thinking understands that we cannot um, escape the subjective. We talk about uh, being objective, okay, in our subjectivity. But critical thinking recognizes that there is a level of subjectivism in our objectivity. And this is how we make sense of our reality based on what we learn from Descartes in his phenomenology and which leads to his reality within the totality of what is true and how one may come to affirm that truth of reality. For Descartes had written, cohito egusam, meaning what? Or translated to mean that, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. Descartes was ambivalent and perplexed about the reality of existence and sought to abandon all things and start afresh from nothing. He could not make sense of his existence or the reality of it outside of anything else in trying to be objective, but discovered the difficulty of doing so as he cannot deny that something is thinking from the start to do what he is setting out to do. So say, for example, Descartes was trying to come to the reality of truth. What Can you really know anything objectively? Okay, so he decided that, fine, let me stop thinking then. Let me stop thinking. Or let me, let me, let me believe in nothing. Nothing exists and start from nothing. But, this, but he discovered the difficulty of doing so 
as he cannot deny that something is thinking from the start. The mind. He cannot deny that the mind exists. That even to pretend as if nothing exists and to start from nothing, something is thinking to start from nothing. So he concluded that the thing that is thinking is the mind. And therefore, one cannot deny its very existence. So one thing that we are sure of is our mind and that it exists. However, his proof of existence does not go beyond one's own reality. For then, one cannot then come to understand any existence outside of one's own mind and reality. Therefore, it behoves us to engage in relationships facilitated by communication, which then spurs the dynamic of life. In other words, since we can't know anything outside of our own mind, really, in order to understand what another person's reality, we have to have a conversation with, another, with that person. Because what I see is not necessarily what another person is comprehending from his vision and his sight. My reality is my reality. Your reality is your reality. That is the point we're here making. When we underscore critical thinking and raising Descartes. The fact that you are convinced of one reality and it is your reality. But what has happened is that we have made that reality universal. Where what a particular person or group of persons reality has been imposed on as the ideal reality. But critical thinking debunks that. Critical thinkers like Michel Foucault and Immanuel Kant aren't born. For critical thinking is a skill and vocation that is developed over time. That is developed over time. And I mentioned the fact, Michel, who's Michel Foucault? Michel Foucault was born in 1926, and I think he died in 1984. He's the most cited researcher across all fields, Michel Foucault. The most cited researcher across all fields. And when you start thinking about critical thinking, you're going to talk about Michel Foucault. Now, Michel Foucault is not from the Caribbean. But he is part, but he's one of the founders of, or one of the influential figures in, in understanding this idea, idea of critical thinking. He was a French philosopher who called his project a critical history of thought. A critical history of thought. And since 1998, Foucault, Foucault's info has been providing free access to a large selection of Foucault's texts, including uh, the Discourse of Truth. Um, so uh, Michel Foucault is a very influential figure that you may want to check on um, as it relates to 
the issue of critical thinking. Um, let me just give you a little bit about um, Michel Foucault's critical thinking, uh, his discourse on thought, real quickly. Um, well, I don't think I have time to talk uh, much about uh, Michel Foucault. Uh, but if you, I don't think I have time for that, but uh, because I think I have it, it's a large reading here. We'll talk about Michel Foucault later on. But he believes that institutions or the knowledge that we have today is as a result, is based in institutions that have been created to, make, to, to, to continue a kind of knowledge. So he's suspicious of knowledge, just as Kant is suspicious of knowledge, saying that it's a result of human nature and circumstance. Okay, so that's the idea behind that. But critical thinkers like Michel Foucault and Immanuel Kant aren't born. For critical thinking is a skill and vocation that is developed over time. Critical thinkers are iconoclasts, they're image breakers, who like Herodotus, Thucydides, the Sofa Pindar, and later Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. They challenge current reflections of the past knowledge of the day. Because um, Herodotus is a image breaker. Sassicides is an image breaker. Safapinda, these are um, Socrates, Plato, these are image breakers. They 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 change the idea. Say, for example, they, it was all about um when you look, when you read um, um Herodotus and um Thucydides and and and, and Homer. You talk uh, the the original story is the story of war, but then sap okay they are fighting each other over dominance and supremacy, but then Sappho Pindar late the late Greek scholar said no, it was a war of love, a war of jealousy. They are fighting over war. The the story that Homer talks about with with the war it wasn't a, it was really. It, it wasn't. It, it was started because of a a, a, a jealousy, a, a war of love, and then then Plato and came came and 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 turn around um, um, the Iliad and start talking about the philosopher king and instead of Achilles, image breakers. Challenge current reflections of past knowledge of the history. By the way, I was reading somewhere where somebody said, um, history is for the future. The reality is now. For they had departed from Homer's Iliad. But, um, um, Thucydides, Sappho, Pindar, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, they departed from the Iliad, from Homer's Iliad and his Hesiod's Theogony. For if you, some of you may not study Greek, um, Greek uh, mythology, um, but Greek mythology is, and I say to you, when you, when you study the Caribbean, where do you begin? And I say to you, I, be, I begin from studying the foundations of Western civilization. I begin by, from the Iliad. Okay, from Homer's Iliad. I, I, I begin from reading the Hesiod's Theogony. Okay, I, that's where I begin because all of those, because it helps you to understand the transition, the evolution of society. 
and and what pertains today and how some of those truths we hold today and how critical thinking has helped to to bring diverse thinking within the conversation how those things how the thinking and the ideas have helped to preserve or create privileges how the church have come to be what we find normative today how how those find how that have come to be today in fact, the foundations of most major religions today stemmed from a break of a, of a tradition such as the reform, ref, such as the reform and reformations of the dark ages leading to the period of enlightenment and free thinking. You guys think about that? Yes, free thinking. This led to invention, innovations, and the Protestant church, who had broken um, ties with the Catholic church, especially on the basis that all men are not, um, that all men are, not just all men and not just the Pope, or the, the privilege had access to God. All men have access to God. That's a, that's a break away from traditional thinking. The Roman Catholic Church was the standard. But before that, there was no standard. Like, of course, there was no standard. But the church, the church developed a Roman identity in order to, in, in order, because it wanted to become part of the, um, part of the conversation of the day it wanted to, to win the competition of the day it wanted to be normative it wanted to be protected from violent prosecutions it developed a roman identity critical thinkers studied the movement of societies and the change in thought but anyways so so i said the foundations of most major religions today stem from a break of a tradition such as the Reform and Reformation or the Dark Ages, leading to the period of enlightenment and free thinking. This led to inventions, innovations, and the Protestant church, the church that you have today. Okay? It came from an idea that started somewhere. In fact, all the if you study the if you study these histories and the religions, Everybody started something new, said that they are starting to, because they have the truth, or they had a revelation, and so now they have the truth. Yet there is this human nature and this tendency to stroke our own egos. Um, or to make something better. But anyway, never the um, but the but anyways, in the foundations of most religion, major religions today stem from a break of a tradition, such as the Reform and Reformation or, or of the Dark Ages, leading to the period of enlightenment and free thinking. This led to inventions, innovations, and the Protestant Church. I know you didn't get this, Alan, in your critical thinking class, okay? I know what the syllabus look like. I was supposed to teach this course this semester, and I'm changing it. Anyways... This led to inventions, 
innovations and the Protestant church, who had broken ties with the Catholic church, especially on the basis that all men and not just the Pope or the privilege had access to God. Okay? Only the privilege and the nobles could read the scriptures. Only the privilege and the Pope could have access to God. And one time, people had to pay for their indulgences. In other words, they had to pay to get an indulgence or pay to be free or to have the Pope pray for them. And only the wealthy had money and could go to the church for prayer. That's the kind of society. And if you spoke against the church, you'd be burnt at the stake. That's the history of what we have. When you start thinking about the history of society, you see, you see, you see what we have today. How much credence you give to some things. And why we say, and why Jesus said, give to Jesus, to Caesar what's due to Caesar and give to, to God what's due to him. And many of what we have today is man-made. Even what we call religion is based on an understanding that a particular man has on the revelation he has received. And he has sought to make it normative or has sought to make it better than any other by ascribing a caveat that says it is the way, the truth, and the life. This allowed for the official translation of script. Anyway, let me continue with what I'm the point I'm making here. The, that um, the, in, um, this break allowed for the official translation of scriptures in a common tongue. The Reformation, the Reformation, and the this the Reformation, Renaissance and the Reformation, and this break from the from Catholicism leading to the the Anglican Church, and then later the um, later on, other Protestant churches. And then, of course, later on, you have the evangelical churches and then the, the Christian churches and so on and so forth. But also, the Renaissance and the Reformation led to inventions. This is critical thinking at work. It led to innovations. It, this it led to inventions and innovation. That such is the purpose of critical thinking, leading to inventions. And critical thinking is philosophical thinking which had led to inventions, innovations, and the Protestant church, who had broken ties with the Catholic church, especially on the basis that all men, and not just the Pope or the privilege, had access to God. They have, okay, there was even one time a fierce attack on those who sought to make the, make the Bible um, accessible, because only some people wanted to, 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 to be able to read the Bible so that they can continue their theft. In fact, people said that the Bible should not be translated in any other language. You, you were committing a sin that was sacrosanct to translate the Bible from, from, from Latin and Greek and partially Aramaic to English. That's a sin. I mean, I'm telling you, that sounds nonsensical when you understand the gospel. Okay, but at that time it was a sin. But people are against critical thinking, calling it woke ideology. Even people in church are against people going to getting theological education in part in the Caribbean. There is an attack against intellectualism, but Phil, but Gramsci is against intellectualism, but not in the ways that some people are against intellectualism. Okay, some people are against intellectualism because they want to be able to preserve. They want to preserve their privilege. 
while Gramsci is against intellectualism because he's against the privilege that it creates for some people. You understand what I'm saying here? But there are people who did not want the Bible to be translated in a common language. Why? Because it, it takes away from their privilege and their position. It takes away from their strategy. Okay? Of making themselves look good over the other. But critical thinking allowed for the official translation of scriptures in a common language, a common tongue. Nevertheless, the ability to read the sacred writings in a particular language was given greater credence for those who had such training or exposure so as to maintain a certain privilege over thought. Socrates, with his Socratic school of thought, Machiavelli and his Manchian society, Aristotle and his new epistemology, leading to various branches of modern thought that created a civil society based on rules and laws within or, within or guided by the principles of institutional religion and science. In fact, Gramsci in his prison notebooks, Gramsci in his prison notebooks, examines the privilege of thought within intellectualism, which he, like Foucault and other post-structuralists and post-modernist thinkers, had derided as a form of institutionalism that portends the privilege in society. Such is the tension in our created societies that has or that have given rise to the dynamics in society between races and classes, which in themselves are said to be created spaces for the dominant towards a particular constant. Karl Marx, Karl Marx had challenged the economic history of society concerning the accumulation of, of wealth. And I talked about this earlier within societies. And he imagined a utopic society of equal beings without classes. Equal beings without classes. Without status or kin which differs from Plato's Republic and the Aristotelian view, which one may argue occupy much of the Western and to less degree Eastern. Yet the East is suspicious of the West and the West is suspicious of the East. As Ian Baruma had explained in, um, in Occidentalism, a book that explores ethnocentrism and of not just Ian Baruma but also Edward Said in his book Orientalism to do critical thinking is to do analysis it is looking at things in a metaphysical way and when we talk about in a metaphysical way we're talking about in we're talking about what is metaphysics metaphysics looks at what is ultimately real about life what is ultimately real about anything? In other words, what is real or true about reality, about existence, is what is, it is the makeup of a particular thing's parts, its components. 
to do, I said to do critical thing is thinking is to do analysis, is to break things down. It is looking at things in a metaphysical way. Metaphysics. It dissects and does surgery. It is a way of thinking that looks at patterns in action and explore thoughts. It does psychoanalysis for those people who are doing psychology or who have, who un, who have done psychology before understand and know about Sigmund Freud. We said that critical thinking, to do critical thinking is to do psychoanalysis. Um, Franz Fanon is said to be a um, said to be a to be a, a nationalist psychoanalyst. Um, it is it does psychoanalysis, looking at cognitive reactions and dynamics of life, looking at exploring the psyche. It does psychoanalysis, which Karl Marx and later Franz Fanon used to present the empowerment or the empowered self. And I should, it's not Karl Marx, actually. It's Sigmund, Sigmund Freud and Franz Fanon. In fact, Franz Fanon writes that the Negro is not any more than the white man in Wretched of the Earth, which represents an empowered depiction of the black man from unusually neutral approach that is not top down, from an unusually neutral approach that is not top down. This, this, this pragmatical and succinct critical thinking at work here where he says the Negro is not any more than the white man. It's pragmatic, it's succinct, it's critical thinking at work. The Negro is not any more than the white man. Because Franz Fanon, in his writing as a post as a colonial subject, he is angry at his masters. And Franz Fanon, when he wrote um, in, um, towards his later years, just before his death, he, he died, he was very ill. And when he wrote the book Wretched of the Earth, we he said that the colonial subject is a is a wretched of the earth. Wherever he goes, he is the wretched of the earth. He is a political creature in every circumstances. That's what he writes. And he was very ill when he wrote that. I think he had leukemia, Franz Fanon. Um, he writes that the Negro is not any more than the white man. Um, and in the uh, and um, and in Wretched of the Earth, which represents an empowered depiction of, of the black man from an, from an unusually neutral approach that is not top down. Um, and I say that this pragmatically and subsequently critical thinking at work, where he who is angry at his colonial masters in his ill state does not justify man through a binary that puts him in jeopardy of his self outside of any other. He doesn't say that the black man is not less than. Instead, he writes that the black man is not more than. 
which challenges the usual narrative or language when comparing the post-colonial creature with that of his former master. It is a type of thinking that was bold and dangerous in his day, which was, or which posed a threat to the status quo, which led to the banning of his books, such as Black Skinned White Mask and The Wretched of the Earth, because it was banned at the time. Homi Baba, the post-colonialist, was even intrigued by Franz Fanon and V.S. Nepal, who Baba explained was off-center and the fringes. Not which, and we talk about off-center again, we're talking about not, um, Franz Fanon and V.S. Nepal. They were seen as subaltern thinkers or writers. They weren't part, they were off-center. They weren't, they, they weren't the standard, part of the standard thought of the day, not part of inter the intellectuals of the day due to their work in reimagining the colonial and post-colonial characters as little but Talawa and unassumingly powerful with magic. These stories bring to life those who were at the backstage of life, Franz Fanon and V.S. Nepal. This is critical thinking at work. It examines and, and evaluates what is the obvious and what is not. What is the obvious and what is, what is not? It does not take sides. It in, however, it may seem biased, but please remember that critical thinking involves a goal. It involves having trained ears and eyes that hear and see far and wide. Critical thinking is developed through the training of the mind to think in a certain way as it is explorative thinking. It challenges your own thinking and beliefs. It uses logic, common sense, and reason. It benefits from expansive thoughts and sequencing of present and past knowledge. It builds on past information. It is coherent and clear. It follows the laws of logic and reason. But all, but of all things, it disrupts and challenges. And it challenges your own thinking. It uses its own rules at times, but yet it is fair and open. It is sharp and it cuts. It goes deep and deeper, but is focused and direct. It is honest and understands its biases. Example, one may come to a conclusion about the Caribbean saying that the Caribbean's inability to chart their own course since decolonization and realize real political independence and economic prosperity. Was part of the challenge of the Caribbean. What voice do we have as a Caribbean thinker? And what are the threats to that voice? Are Caribbean countries truly free of the external? and this illusion of freedom that comes within competing worldviews. What of the issue of bias? We utilize Kenneth Cole's, or sorry, Kenneth Clark's book, Dark Ghetto. Dark Ghetto, his book, Dilemma of Social Power, that will help us to distill some of the concepts and explore the question and our thoughts 
of course, we want to reference these in, in the book Neoliberalism. Sorry, we reference the book um, Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance to discuss these ideas. We delve into the issue of how identity presents an issue by looking at how things are viewed because of determinations based in analysis or analyses influenced by a brand that then led or led to a branded perspective. A brand that leads to a branded perspective. Branded perspective. We explore the problem of study and the issue of position and hierarchy within studies. Hierarchy within studies, especially between the subject and the observer. We then begin to look at the issue of the ghetto. Therefore, the post-colonial man must be a critical thinker who is a skeptic, one who is suspicious of history, and its creation of the present. Okay, for like Kant, I said that we live in what? The reality of a history that is a result of human nature and circumstances. Kant's critique of pure reason and practical knowledge, including Newtonian physics, being the foundations of knowledge about everything unchanging and categories of the mind, We live in a reality of a history that is the result, again, of what? Human nature and circumstances. And I'm going to say this again. Kant's critique of pure reason and practical knowledge, including Newtonian physics, because Newton physics is about, treats everything as natural. Newtonian physics being the foundation of knowledge about everything unchanging and categories of the mind. Kant challenges this as dangerous any study of moral codes as foundation to any foundation outside of the varieties of human natures and circumstances social institutions according to michel foucault represent traditions of knowledge steeped in hegemony and privilege the critical thinking understands that and that is why we are suspicious of institutions critical thinking again may seem to do what it may hurt your brain but such is left to those who are developed to such discourses and vocation as again we are what we are philosopher kings or queens working to pay our part and to make our work our way towards revolutionizing towards revolutionary improvements on the totality of life. So critical thinking is part of that kind of discourse that we find ourselves. And by critical thinking is again widely accepted, it is a widely accepted educational objective characterized by careful, goal-directed thought and the definition varies, it, it generally involves considering beliefs and knowledge, critically evaluating evidence and drawing reasoned conclusions. Now, John Dewey, who is an early advocate of critical thinking, described it as active, persist, as an active, persistent consideration of beliefs in light of supporting evidence and potential findings. Over time, Standardized tests have been developed 
to assess critical thinking abilities with educational interventions shown to enhance them through methods like dialogue and mentoring. Now, the term critical thinking as an educational objective traces back to the American philosopher John Dewey in 1910, who often referred to it as reflective thinking. Dewey defined, John Dewey, he defined it as the active, persistent, and meticulous examination of any belief or purported form of knowledge in light of the supporting evidence and the potential conclusions it leads. He associated this habit of examining or of examination with a scientific mindset. So it's having a scientific mindset, but I'm gonna move, but it's not just having a scientific mindset because I am, we are also suspicious of science because science has been used today to preserve a kind of status quo. Say for example, the issue with COVID and what happened in the pandemic helped to suggest how science today is becoming what religion was. If you, it is that science tries to baptize anything with the money to back it. Just as though people, um, the church was selling forgiveness. And if you don't have money, you can't, or you don't have land, you can't get forgiven. In sci um, science today is doing just the same thing. Many, many doctors, medical doctors, lost their license because they disagreed with the science that supported COVID and the vaccines and, and the vaccine. So, you know, so science is doing the same thing. But, at, but, but we are suspicious of science as well. But Dewey's extensive references to... Um, um, to Francis Bacon, John Locke, and John Stuart Mill suggest that he was not the originator of fostering a scientific approach to thought as an educational aim. And of course, many people point to John Dewey as the father of, of, of critical thinking. But of course, there were many people before Dewey. And I said to you, but in terms of looking at critical thinking as a discipline in and of itself, then yes, they credit it to John Dewey. Now, historically, critical thinking gained um, prominent in the 1930s through initiatives like the eight-year study of the Progressive Education Association. Again, critical thinking gained prominence in the 1930s. That was in the 1930s that um, um, uh, Rastafarianism was developed as a religion in the 1930s as well. Okay, In the 1930s, we also had the Great Depression in the 1930s. In the 1930s, you, there was a great strive um, towards independence. The, the, the conversation started to happen. Okay. So, so it gained prominence in the 1930s through initiatives like the eight-year study of the Progressive Education Association, which integrated critical thinking into educational goals. Now, Bloom's taxam, um, taxonomy of cognitive objectives further incorporated critical thinking abilities. 
Since then, annual conferences and education have reformed worldwide have emphasized its importance leading to its global inclusion in curricula and assessment. So when we do Caribbean thought, we are assessing for your ability to think critically about Caribbean studies or Caribbean topics. Now, Dewey has three main examples, which I'm not going to go into. Uh, what I did was, you have a copy of this, so you can look at his example. But um, Dewey, Dewey provides us with three main examples in terms of doing critical thinking. One was transit. Two the ferry boat, which includes observation, and three, the bubbles, okay? Um, so he, he provides an, so he uses three student, three student class papers as a prime example of reflective thinking. And um, these examples span from everyday scenarios. So the transit, I'm not gonna read it. Um, when you guys go home, you can read it, but the narrative recounts a downtown encounter with a clock indicating 1220, prompting the realization of a one o'clock appointment at 124th Street. The student deliberates on transportation options. Weighing the time, saved by taking a subway, express against, I mean, express against potential delays in finding a station. Ultimately, the decision favors the subway for its efficiency in reaching the desired destination by one o'clock. That's the transit. Then there's the ferry boat. Observing a long white pole with a gilded ball on a ferry boat, the student initially assumes it to be a flagpole. However, upon closer inspection and on considering alternative purposes, such as ornament, ornamentation or a wireless telegraph terminal, the student deduces its primary function as in indicating that boat's direction for the pilot's navigation. So you're doing in, you're doing deduction, but you're also doing induction. Induction, deduction, okay, but there's also contraction, the bubbles. While washing tumblers in hot um, soap suds, the student ponders the appearance of bubbles inside and outside the tumblers. Through experimentation and reason, the student concludes that the bubbles outside result from heated air expanding and then contracting while those inside are due to cooling, so on and so forth. And he has other examples to, illust to illustrate critical thinking with additional scenarios. Okay, but I won't get into them. Now, in you, you guys have a copy of this paper and it's also available in ResearchGate and academia.edu. In contemporary discourse, critical thinking encompasses diverse perspectives and methodologies. Scholars like Berlin and so on look at it in terms of the purposeful nature, idea or purpose uh, emphasizes its purposeful nature. So critical thinking is purposeful. It adheres to standards of adequacy and, um, and accuracy and the fulfillment of relevant criteria. This goal or this goal-directed standards based approach distinguishes critical thinking from mere opinion or ideological bias. So it is not an ideological bias when doing critical, although you might think that Caribbean thought involves a lot of biases because we're, we're doing, we talk about history from below, subaltern thinking, we're doing subaltern thinking, thinking from below, people affected by particular history. 
But yes, it is goal-oriented. It's goal-directed thinking, but it is still based on certain standards. Now, critical thinking remains a foundational skill in education, so on and so forth, so on and so forth, but you guys can get that. Um, ideas from, now, what are the ideas from critical thinking to consider when studying the Caribbean? One of the issues I talk about is the trope of penetration to stress the power dynamics at play when reflecting on the Caribbean's position in the world in the global south as against the global north. That stems from critical thinking, penetration, and you can, and I want you to read the lecture that stems, that is noted in this particular presentation that you guys have with, um, ha, um, you can go to the hyperlink, I talk about the trope of penetration. I'm not gonna talk about what's the difference between neoliberalism and liberalism today, because we don't have time for that. I'm gonna stop here. Um, this, this is where I'm going to stop. Um, there is more. There is a longer lecture here, but there's more things I need to discuss, but I don't think we have time for that. We're going to stop here because I think we have completely run out of time. Um, what, we want to, what I want to hone in on is to get you guys to think critically about things and to understand that part of critical thinking will involve challenging your ideas. It's going to be deep. Um, do not take anything for granted. Also, get in the get in the um, the practice of challenging your own self. Look in the mirror. Um, ask yourself some questions, and then rethink them. Yes. Um, do some metaphysical thinking and some critical thinking around some beliefs that you have, and see what and and see. To what and where do you go? Push things to their logical end. So to do to do critical thinking is to push things to, to their logical end. So push things to their logical end. Use deduction and induction me inductive methods to do so. But also reflect on some of the questions that we have. Now, finally, I want to raise as we wrap up this class, I want to raise a question for you guys, which um I was supposed to do that. We don't have time. We have run out of time for this class. But I have an activity for you guys. The and to begin for the next class. The next class, we're going to start with this, the paradox of sovereignty. What do Haiti and Cuba not have in common with Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Trinidad, and Barbados? Um, one. The options are there. Okay, I don't think I'm sharing my screen. Am I sharing my screen? No, let me share it right now. Let me share The paradox of sovereignty. Cuba and Haiti's struggle for freedom and the challenge of independence. Um, what do Haiti and Cuba not have in common with DR, Jamaica, Trinidad and Barbados? One, poorest in the world. Two, black and brown peoples. Three, granted freedoms. Four, taken freedoms. Five, embargoes and shaky diplomacy and international relations. Six, debt, dependency and non-competitiveness. Seven, formally colonized. The options are
There we go. I fixed it. The options are A, 2, 5, 6, and 7. B, 1, 4, and 5. C, 1 and only 3. D, 3 and 4. E, 1, 3, and 4, and 5, all of the above. Okay? If I were to ask you that question, we'll end with this. Um, we've got This is the last thing in the class. And let me get it together here. That's the last project for the class today. Um, question and answer. Let me ask you that. Uh, no open question. In fact, let me ask you that right now. So how many of them can you choose? <laughs> Look, uh, hold on. You can only, I'm going to create a poll. I'm ending, we end class in uh, seven minutes and we end. Um, sorry about the lateness. Um, you know, I'm sir, sir, how many of them can you choose? One. One? Yes. Just one? Yes. Hmm. So, if, so if you don't get the one correct, you fail the entire quiz? Yes. Sir, what I said, this question has no right or wrong answer. It does. Oh, well, it does have a right. Sorry, it does. But I'm gonna. I'm. I'm putting. I'm. I'm sending you guys out this in, into the link so you can answer it. Um, these are the choices. Um, I'm adding. The, I'm creating a a breakup. I think for you guys so that you guys can answer it. Can you see what's choice one? Choice one for what, sir? The question. Are you seeing it? What's choice one? I can't see it because I'm creating it. It's, what's choice one? Turn up. Can you see the choice? I'm seeing poorest in the world at the top. You're seeing what? Poorest in the world. That's all? Uh, that's number one. Okay, poorest. Oh, thank you. Poorest in And what's choice two? Black and brown people. Okay, what's choice three? Granted freedoms. And what's choice? What's choice four? Taken freedoms. And what's the other one? Okay, embargoes and shaky diplomacy and international relations. So, embargoes and shaky diplomacy and international relations. And what? Any more? Yeah, two more. Number six is debt, dependency, and non competitiveness. Okay, right. No, one more. Formerly colonized is the last one, number seven. Oh, wow. They have to allow me to add that. That's crazy. Okay. So, probably I should have done it the other way. Then I should have just do one, two. Um, okay. I should have just put one, two, and three and have you done. 
address to that. Address to address to. Okay. Do you know? Have you? Do you see? What are the options? Do you see the options? Uh, A says two, five, six, and seven. Okay. So two, five, six, and seven. A. Okay. What B says? B says one, four, and five. Okay, what's the other one? Um, C is one only three. Maybe the only should be and, right? One and three only, right? Yeah. Okay. What's the other one? Um, three and four. Anything else? Yes, I'm seeing two more. Option okay. E is one, three, and four. All right. And the last one? It says all of the above. All right, great. So I'll just do that. Okay, great. I'll just do that one then. And then, all right. What do I launch this? I haven't done this in a while. It says multiple choice. It's a oh, multiple choice. And then can I just launch it now? Add choice. Wait, how do I um, launch it? Why is it not launched? Cancel. Oh my God, the entire thing that I just did is gone. I cannot believe it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to do it again. Okay, um, I'm sorry, this is the last thing, um, comp compare. And then, oh my God, let's do this. Control V. What do hate and keep? Okay, great. Um, you have to do help me again, guys. What's choice A? One. So three. you want you want the options or the choices? Yes, the choices. I'm okay. sorry. First one is poorest in the world. No, sorry. The options. Options. Okay. Option A is two, five, six, and seven. And what is the other one? Option B is one, four, and five. And what's the other one? Option C is one and three. One and three. One and three. And the other one? The other one is three and four. Then the other one is one, three, and four. And the last one? All, all of, of the, the above. above, right. All of the above. There we go. Now I can launch it. Save, um, shown as save. Great. And now I'm going to launch it. We can do this. You guys can do it like for a quick second. Let's launch this. All right. So I'm la I've launched it. So what do Haiti and Cuba not have in common with Diaz, Jamaica, Trinidad and Barbados? Um, and it's a single choice. All right. Can you guys, let me see if you guys get the answer for this one. I won't give you the answer this week. Next week, we'll begin, with, we'll go into the lecture for next week for this. But um, the options are poorest in the world, black and brown people, yeah, you, black and brown peoples, granted freedoms, taken freedoms, embargoes, blah, blah, blah. So when you choose two, five, six, one, it's correspond with, okay, so 
What do Haiti and Cuba not have in common with DR, Jamaica, Trinidad, and Barbados? Is it A, B, C, D, E, or F? What do you guys think? You want us to answer out loud? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Okay, okay, not yet. Let me see the responses first. Uh, wait. Polls, polls. Anybody's is this had it started? Two persons have participated so far. Um, zero persons participated. Are you guys seeing it? Yeah. Oh, you guys are thinking about it. Thinking. Well, I'm thinking about it. Oh, wait, only three people in the class, anyways. Everybody have left. Um, it's just three people left in the class. Everybody have so left. You say, sir, when you say what they don't have in common with the others, you're basically saying their specific identifying features. That's what you're asking, right? What makes them different from those other countries? Yeah, but based on the options that we have. Okay. Right. So based on the options that we have. Um, so the option, we have seven options. And which one of these options would be the best choice? That compares. To yes. separate them from everybody else. Yeah, that separates Haiti and Cuba from the rest. Yes. Yes. Oh. Right. What it is that, what, which of these that defines Haiti and Cuba that does not um, part of the other Caribbean countries, that the other Caribbean countries cannot identify with? Can I tell you, I wrote this this quiz and I didn't even remember it until recently. And I'm trying and I'm going, I know the answer, but I'm like, wait, what was the answer again? This feels like a trick question. Does oh. like all the answers are so similar? In the sense where, because when you look at it on a technical level, yes. there's some amount of taken freedom that all have experienced. Um yeah. But some of it, some of it is subliminal for the others, while Haiti and Cuba's is a lot more obvious. Yeah. Okay, there is critical thinking right there. There is critical. Who said that, Alisa? Yes, sir. <laughs> Can I tell you, you guys? This is why I did. This is critical thinking at work. In um, so now we are applying critical thinking to the study of Caribbean thought. None of that we've gotten that I've gotten that out of the way. Let us use see you use your critical thinking now to come up with the answer. What um, would you how would you answer the question? Oh um, okay. One is definitely in it. I'm just going to go with the answer that I have. Well, I 
I'm sticking with the answer, yeah? I can't. <laughs> sure. Oh. I think I'm going to stick with my answer. I'm sticking with my answer. All right. Who said that? Well, okay, great. I, I can't wait to hear what the answer is. What do you have as your answer? Me? Yes. I put B. Okay. And let me see. Oh, let me check the results. Wait. Two of two students say B. Um, they don't have. They don't have granted. Well, I'm going to stop. This is very complicated. Are we going to stop here and I'll give you the answer next week <laughs> when we come back? We we'll give you the answer next week because I want the other students to participate and um, I'm going to leave this poll open so that next week when we come back, I have it up for the students who didn't get a chance to participate. I would love everybody to participate, participate in this. But um, but I want to know why you say B. But whatever answer you answer, I just want to know why you answer it. I'm not. It's not a right or wrong answer. And I just would like, would like to know why you answer it. By the way, um, let me share my screen. I'm going to share my screen again. I'm, I'm going to stop this because it's, what I did. So next week we're going to go through this. We're going to I'm going to do a presentation about this about the answer, talking about the paradox of freedom. Have we misunderstood our heritage? And I'm also going to be talking about. I created this document for you guys. Is this a document, or is this this document? I created this document. No, that's not it. New share. It must be. This one I created. I just created a document for you guys. Ah, here we go. So after I had asked the question, I said, oh, you know what? Maybe I should do, I did a timeline I created. I'm going to send this material out to you. By today, you'll get it in your email. But I'm going to send this to you. It's, it says Caribbean Thought Lecture Exploring the Island of the Caribbean. I did this. I created, I write a lot. I'm a writer. I write a lot. I write, 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 write. And so I wrote this and it says, and I asked, I asked myself the question, I answered it myself. And I'm saying, oh, did you guys may benefit from this. What distinguishes Haiti and Cuba from the Dominican Republic, blah, 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 blah. And provide a brief synopsis of these islands, their socio-political economy, religious, religions, demographics, and histories, and their current position today. Um, so one, of course, I have Haiti. So it's a political economy. Okay, I won't, and then Cuba. Then, of course, Dominica Republic, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, Barbados. That's, and then I went on to talk about Guyana. Now, I did not include them in the questionnaire, so I stopped and then summarized those countries. Then I went on to consider the other countries that I did not include in my questionnaire because I still want you guys to have an idea of the other countries. So I'm going to talk about Guyana a little bit, Synopsis and Martinique. Cayman Islands. Cayman Islands is very important because they, that was a parish of Jamaica. And you know that Jamaica had 15 parishes before Port Moore, you know. Cayman Islands is one of the parishes of Port Moore of Jamaica. You know that. We're going to talk about Cayman Islands. What it is today? Belize. So why we need all these figure Cayman then? Because, you know what? Because we are, because that's what happened when countries that are powerful, okay, Countries where the dollars. Wait, hold on. Jamaicans need visa to go to Cuba, to Jamaica now, to Cayman now. Oh, yes. absolutely. Well, 
I believe that's the key. Last they can't round. overstay in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, they I know why. Like, I saw persons issuing visa for like a month or something like that. They yeah, can't because, go. Jamaica, because Jamaicans are running off when they go there. Yeah, a lot of crime. Jamaica is linked to crime and with Cayman. Oh, yeah, they're linked to crime and a lot of Jamaicans are there. And But it's not just Jamaicans are there. A lot of people from Latin America. When I, I lived in Cayman Islands for a year and I worked and I ran one of their after school programs and there was a lot of, they have problem with a lot of Latinos and Hispanics and they were like, they don't want Latinos and Hispanics in their country. <laughs> but that's what happened with, you know, people from the poorer country, they're always looking for opportunities and Cayman Islands have a relatively strong economy because they're taken care of by, they're calling up Britain and they're taken care of by Britain. Okay. And the people and the dollar is strong. I mean the dollar is strong. The exchange rate is strong. It's strong. And when the exchange rate of a country is strong, you find a lot of people is gonna try and go there. Okay. You know, that's one of the that's what I've noticed. When the exchange rate of a country is strong, people are gonna and then they're gonna create and people try to protect others from coming because I guess they're trying to minimize the number of people who are coming into the country. To protect their wealth and gains as well um but yeah that's but they have but i know jamaica have had its problem with cayman islands some jamaicans are some cayman island people are suspicious of jamaicans because they said that we're coming to take over their country but cayman island is an interesting country and i talk about cayman a bit because i lived there for a while i passed i was an associate pastor at the, at the west bay memorial church united church in cayman so i can talk about cayman okay and what pertains in Cayman. I know a lot about Cayman. I'll talk about it a little bit for you guys. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Puerto Rico. Um, in terms of major figures, Fidel Castro, Maurice Bishop, Edward Siaga, Michael Manley, Basdeo Pande, from Trinidad and Tobago, political figure, 1995 to 2001. Jean-Bertrand Aristide in Haiti. Just a few of them, and along with others like Walter Rodney, Sheila James, so on and so forth. So I'm going to present this I'm going to send this to you and just quickly read, share from this paper next week, in addition with looking at the timeline that I have for you guys. And that takes care of the introduction to the course. These are just introduction matters that I want to take care of. I did do some of this at the last classes I taught, but I thought it was very necessary that I do a synopsis of the Caribbean islands, go over the timeline as well for you guys, and then we go into now start looking at have we misunderstood our heritage? And then now we can go into the film, like um, Life and Death. We can start watching the film because the, the course is heavy with a lot of film, but I want to take care of all of the theoretical aspects of the course first, and then we can delve into the films. All right, guys, that's it for class today. I, this last week's class is not available as yet because I was having a lot of system problem but we so I had to break up the lecture last week into two. And so I am uploading it now. So last week lecture is gonna be part one and part two. Okay, because it's three hours. So that's gonna be available and it's very deep and it's lengthy. All right. Um this week's lecture is also gonna be probably two and a half hours, which I'm gonna have to break up. Um some other lectures are some are long monologues, others are gonna be a lot of um conversations and group work and other lectures will be us watching the film 
today lecture was a lot of, is a long monologue. Next week we're gonna have a little bit of interaction from you guys because I want to hear your guys your answer. Talk about this um this question looking at Haiti, and I will share the document with you next week. All right, guys, may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And by the way, I want you guys to come ready to talk about a Caribbean island. At any class, I can say, hey, what's going on in Trinidad? What's going on in Barbados? What's going on in Belize? Be ready to talk, to talk about one of these countries, okay? All right, take care, guys. I just want to say thank you. Uh, Alisa was early. You came at 6 and you left at 3 and you leave at 6.25. And that is worth noting. Okay, I watched those things. So I, I appreciate those who have remained after six. Thank you so much. God bless you and take care. I um, By the way, I invite, please follow me on social media. Follow my social media. I, do a, I tweet and post up a, and blog and write in other stuff. I magazines and journals and I'm always contributing to academic thought. I do podcasts and media stuff and IT stuff. I'm involved here in the US as well. I do so follow the stories because some of the stuff I talk about, you might hear me talk about in the class again. All right? Take care, guys, and be safe. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, man. Walk good. <laughs>